Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Somebody say praise the Lord. We're so glad that you were here. Our God is greater. He's higher. And you say amen. Won't you greet somebody near you? Welcome, welcome them to Bible study tonight. We're so glad everybody is here. Amen, amen, amen. I want to say that if you turn the Bibles, your Bibles today to the book of Ruth. Book of Ruth. Chapter 2. I taught on this, preached on this a while back, and just felt led to talk about this uh, tonight. Ruth, chapter 2. And verse 14. Uh, I want to say that we do do have a county fair coming up and the ladies department a few years ago, a couple years ago, bought a uh, food truck type thing that we have there. We have our own place, but we need some help. Uh, the funds do help different departments and have primarily helped uh, quizzing and different things, but uh, I know it's been a little bit of a challenge, people trying to figure out their schedule and when they can. But if you could respond to the people that's calling you, that'd be amazing. And uh, just let them know what he can or can't. But we do need some help. We will not burn you out, promise. And uh, and so uh, I'm speaking on behalf of Sister Tackett and company. Amen. And uh, she's a hard worker. And there's a great so many hardworking people in this church. But that would be a great blessing if you could get involved in some level. Help us during the fair week. It is a good fundraiser, and it's good to be out there in the community. Can you say amen? I, um, Ruth chapter 2, verse 14, And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime, come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. She sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was, everybody say, satisfied. She was sufficed and left. When she was risen up to glean... Notice she was near the reapers, but when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her and lead them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until even and beat out that she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of barley. She took it up, went to the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she brought forth and gave to her that she had had uh, reserved after she was, everybody say, satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where hast thou gleaned today? Where wroughtest thou or work thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had brought and said, The man's name with whom I rot today is Boaz. Amen. I, uh, I, just wanna, I just want to teach you tonight about the goodness of God and being good to the stranger. Being good to the stranger. And uh, would you lift your hands and ask God to speak to your spirit and uh, let him minister to you tonight. Would you do that all over this building? We love you. We're asking your blessing, God, to be upon us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In, in the scripture, there is a law. And in that law, you will find in Exodus chapter 12, you will find it is called the law of the stranger. Everybody say the law of the stranger. 
And it is in, written in the same chapter that the lamb was slain in Egypt when they were going to come out of Egypt. And I'm going to teach you tonight. So this might be the pace, pace I'm at at the end of this message. I don't know, but it typically doesn't end that way, I don't think. But when they were in Egypt, the Bible says that the lamb was slain. A, a lamb, a lamb per household. They killed the lamb. They took the blood of the lamb and they, with hyssop or like a brush, they, they applied the blood to the top of the doorpost and down the sides. And that was the law while they were there. And said, this would be the beginning of months. months. Look at your neighbor and say, this is the beginning for you. Notice that the beginning into the promised land, the beginning for them didn't happen when they, in, when they entered the promised land. The beginning happened when they were about to come out of Egypt. The beginning is coming out. Somebody shout, come out. Re repentance typically happens when you praying to God, but you're at a bad position in your life and you're trying to come out of it. It didn't, it didn't happen when, when, when you got your whole life together and everything's fine and you're righteous and holy now. It happened somewhere when you were in bondage and in a mess and you called the Lord and said, I want to come out of this and that becomes a beginning for you. Somebody say amen. amen. So the beginning happened while they were in Egypt is where it began. So the verse in the New Testament in this biblical parallel is this, that while we were yet Sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. I want to remind you that the lamb was slain in Egypt. And when the lamb was slain, the blood was applied and they, they were there and the death came through and the judgment came through. Those that were inside of the blood, judgment didn't come. How many know that? And the firstborn in all the land and, and, and when Pharaoh saw what had happened, he kicked them out of Egypt and they went on their way. But it was in this chapter that it writes that those that choose to come with you, those that choose to walk with you, that if they will live according to the law, the stranger, everybody say the stranger shall be treated as the home born. It was a law that when you are coming out of Egypt and on your way to the promised land, that there will be people that are not Hebrew, they're not Jews, they're gonna wanna live your life and go where you're going. And he said, when they come, don't, don't treat them bad. Treat them good and treat them as one of you. I think we ought to thank God for that. Can you say amen? amen? And so Ephesians 2, with that being said, and, and, and with that being said, let's turn there in Ephesians 2. There is, there is, you can see the heartbeat of the author of the book, who is Paul, uh, the apostle Paul writing in the book of Ephesians, that he's trying to push this point to new believers in Ephesus. These are Gentile people. We are, for the most part, Gentiles here. No Jewish descent, if you will. But Paul is convincing them that there is a place for them in the kingdom of God. When you first come to church, you probably feel a little bit, you know, anything unfamiliar, which is where we get the word family from, anything unfamiliar can be a little awkward. I mean, remember the first time you came to the anchor, you went to a church and you didn't know very many there. How many would raise your hand and say, just a little bit different, just feel a little bit out of place? Come on, I, I, I think we all can say that. And I've been in meetings, I've been in meetings even as an evangelist and people didn't know I was the evangelist. And when I went in, they treated me as if I didn't belong until they found out I was the preacher for the night. <laughs> then at the church, they want to shake my hand. You know, I'm like, talk to the hand. Praise God, talk to the hand. I'm going to treat you like a stranger now. Amen. But I've been there to where no one was there. And one of the neat things about here and that has been established under our uh, uh, brother, sister Ferris and excellence that was here even before I came, there was a friendly face in the foyer. Somebody to shake your hand and say, we're so glad you're here. And not a front, but in reality, we are sincerely glad you're here, whether you're a member or it's your first time. We don't want you to come and feel like a visitor. We want you to feel like you belong because I believe the church is the really the only institution that, that, that is, exists for its non-members. 
It's the truth. And, and we make statements like you come more than once, your family no longer a guest. And I think there's truth to that. And we're glad that you are here. And that's what he was saying in the law was that don't get in this pharisaical attitude. Well, I, 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 I've been a member for 50 years and you're going to have to earn your spot. I don't think that's what he wants us to say. And, uh, Jesus taught against that Pharisee religiosity when he took his disciples into the temple and there was a man praying and there was a sinner over there beating his chest and I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. And there's a Pharisee over here saying, thank God that I'm not like him. And Jesus said, which one's prayers have been heard by God and which one's moved God more? And, and obviously it was the man that was being honest and just saying, I'm a sinner and I need God. I want you to know here tonight with your first time and those watching online that couldn't be here, there's one thing we should all have in common is that we are all sinners that God saved by grace. We're here because we needed God. We needed rescued. We need, come on, we needed change. We needed impacted. We needed forgiven. We needed another chance. We needed to come out of something that was a mess in our life. Somebody say amen. And so here we are in this service this evening. And you'll see Paul is teaching this when he said in Ephesians chapter two, he said, and you, verse one, and you had the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of the course of this world. And how many know it's, it's a culture, it's its own course. It's more like a gauntlet. You're trying to picture what I'm saying, but it starts off pleasure, then it ends up in a gauntlet. How in the world it gets so bad? How many know what I'm talking about? It started out fun, but all of a sudden, it just, it just seems like a dead end road. He said the course of this world, the way of this world, where in the entire past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Notice that the parallels that the course of this world is led by the prince of the power of the air and speaking of Satan. I blame all this trouble on the devil. Amen. Yeah. I mean, no, he is the, God is not the author of confusion. Right. So if there's confusion, it's not of God. Right. And so I blame a lot of the stuff that we're seeing on the devil. And there is this spiritual warfare that we battle with because there is a course in this world that's destructive. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of what? Children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And so Paul is, 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 is telling these new believers, because it's written to the church at Ephesus, he is saying us and we and I and we were, didn't matter whether you were a Jew, didn't matter you were, were we were all sinners doing wrong. Do you see that? That's what he's saying, our conversations. And notice that the preacher who's writing this is even putting himself into that, that, that we all come from somewhere that wasn't right. Even if we were raised in the strictest of the Pharisees, as Paul later brags, when he says, I was raised the strictest of the Pharisees, I was a Jew that was raised in Rome, a Roman citizen that was a Jew that was raised in the strictest of the Pharisees and wasn't right with God. And so he's talking to these new believers that are Gentiles and he says this on, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved. Everybody shout us. I just want to say it here that if you spell Jesus, you're going to find there's an us in Jesus. We are in Jesus. Not just I, not just you, but me and you, we, us, we are all in this together. Can you say man? And even when we were dead in sins, have quickened, here it is. Somebody shout us. He's a Jew talking to Gentiles and he's saying us. Even when we were dead in sins, have quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved and have raised 
us up together, that's a key word, together, us up together and made sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us. Praise God. Do y'all see this? His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of work lest any man should boast. Well, I lived holy. It's because I did this. It's, uh, there's no I in Jesus. I am, I am what I am because of Jesus Christ. It's by his grace. I couldn't have done it on my own. I'm here because he loved us. Amen. I don't believe in this doctrine of election where you were just handpicked to go to hell. You were handpicked to go to heaven before it all began. I don't believe that. The Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants every one of us to make a choice to do right. He gives everybody in the building the opportunity to change directions. That's what he does. Come on, aren't you glad he gave you an opportunity to turn around? That's what he does. He came to me. Woo. Somebody shout, he came to me. While we were yet sinners, he came to me. When my life was broken, he came to me. When I didn't have anything to offer him, he came to me. When the family was a wreck, he came to me. When the doctor couldn't give me the hope, he came to me. He came to where I was because that's who we serve. He's a God that will come right where you are. He's not too good for you to come to you. Can you say amen? Oh, clap your hands and praise him. He came to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We got to get rid of the mindset of perfection. We're all perfecting, but we're not perfect. I'm going to tell you why we need to pray because we're not God. We need him because we are not him. And we seek him because we need him in our lives. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not if you earn it. You can't earn it. He just loves you because you're you. He didn't love you because you walked in the church. He, he, didn't, he didn't love you because you were born in a certain family. He loved you because you are you. And he loved you enough that he came to where you were and said, let me help you out of this. And he reached his own hand. That's why the Bible says with his own right arm, he brought salvation. He didn't sin. He came by himself. I don't, listen, if a preacher comes to your house, knocks on your door and invites you to church and you give your life to God, guess what? Thank God that the preacher loved you enough to do that. But the fact of the matter is he did that out of the love of God that was in him for the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. He came or she came because of the love of God that's in them. It's not of that preacher. It was from God that they're in a relationship with. And that's why the Bible says that, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Nobody in the building is really a savior. We just operate out of the love of the savior and God sends us to reach people, but it's God's love through us. That's what we got to understand is every time you come to church, somebody is looking for hope. Somebody's looking for the love of God. If there's one thing we should feel in a church, it shouldn't be judgmentalism. It shouldn't be a critical eye. It shouldn't be a critical tongue. It should be hope, mercy, a second chance, grace, and love. That's what we ought to feel in the house of God is the love of God. Somebody shout the love of God. And so God adds to the church daily such as should be saved. And the Lord stirs the heart and God starts moving. If you feel sorry for some things in your life, you feel bad about some things you've done, that is the mercy of God. No man cometh to God except the Spirit draws him. No one's in this building right now that I believe that God didn't nudge on you. We all had a moment 
that something started stirring us lay in bed at night and, and you can't go to sleep. You're looking at the ceiling. You turn left and you roll over, turn right. You, you end up rolling over in your belly and you know your back's going to hurt the next night, but you can't get comfortable any other way because you can't stop thinking about what's going on on the inside. What is this? It's God. It's God reaching down with his love and his spirit and say, I want to make a change in your life. I want to do something. It's, it's Brother Roy. It's God speaking to you in a hospital room. And, and God speaking, man, that's the mercy of God. Your story is so powerful. It moves me that God came to where you were. Salvation doesn't happen because we opened the church on Wednesday. It happened when you were in Egypt, when you were in trouble. God came there and that's why you're here. Man, I feel like preaching for a little while. He visited you at your house. He visited you in that chaos. He was there when you were in the mess and he brought you to the house of God. Somebody shout, I'm so glad he did. Amen. Jesus comes to your house. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus has come to your house. Look at your neighbor now and say, that's why the anchor will show up at your house. Amen. <laughs> we should. God's not confined to the building. And he goes on and he, he begins, he lays out this, this path to the Gentiles. Are y'all getting this tonight? Everybody shout us. us. For, look at the next verse, verse 10. Here it goes again. Are you ready? I mean, it's like, are you really trying to make the point? For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision. Two types of people in the world in the Old Testament, circumcised and uncircumcised. Two types. It's two types of people in the world. And, it, and he says, uncircumcision in the flesh and, he, and he, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ being aliens. A lot of alien talk going on. That's a King James Version word for foreigners. You are foreigners from the commonwealth of Israel. All of its benefits and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You were separated from the body of Christ. Go back to the Old Testament. The Jews were in Egypt, but not supposed to be of Egypt. But when you're coming out of Egypt on your way to the promised land, people are gonna see the power of God when the Red Sea splits and the Jericho wall falls and God goes before you. People are going to say, I don't want this world. I want their God to be my God. Are y'all seeing this pattern? And so that's what he's saying here. And he goes on and says, from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were, look at your neighbors, tell somebody, be honest, say, I was a long ways away from God. Can anybody witness that here today? Not everybody was raised in this. You can say, I was a long way. Long ways away. I don't know why I stopped on that, but a long ways away from God. And that's why you didn't have any hope. But somewhere when you were a long ways away, he came to where you were. Because God will go a long ways to bring you out. He'll go a long ways. The Bible says his arm is not short that it cannot reach. His ear is not dull that he cannot hear. And his eyes not dim that he cannot see. I wish somebody say, he came to where I was. Wasn't right, wasn't doing it right, but he came to where you were. He says, let's read on. Let's read on. Look what he says. He said, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. I'm 43 in two days. 
And I'm going to tell you in my 40s that there's one thing I've learned. There's nothing more valuable than peace. Peace of God. Amen. Somebody say peace. And that's why when he came from heaven to earth, you'll find the Bible says peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. He came to bring peace in a chaotic world and he's going to do it through, through goodwill toward men, people that were going to crucify him, people that didn't understand his teaching. He came down to save them. That's why when they were crucifying, he was saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was seeking forgiveness for those that were doing him wrong because he knew what they needed was him. I'm telling you right now, the peace of God, the love of God, the grace of God, we can only have by God himself. We must have God. If we're gonna have peace, if we're gonna have goodness, if we're, we've gotta have him among us. Would you clap your hands and say amen? Brother Zion, I was driving down the road one day and I was praying and I just worshiping God in the car and the way I do. And I said, oh Lord, I thank you for joy. He said, I am your joy. I said, I thank you for peace. He said, I am your peace. You can't buy it at the supermarket. They don't sell it on the street corner. You can't get it at Walmart or Sam's Club in a bulk package. You can't get it. But I'm gonna tell you, I know who can give it to you tonight. His name is Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. He's everything we need. Amen. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, the ending, which he is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty. He's got what you need tonight. Somebody shout Jesus, for he is our peace who hath both one and broken down, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between, somebody shout us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making, everybody shout peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the empty, the enmity thereby. He destroyed every stronghold at Calvary. I don't care how long there's been chaos of curses and bondages in your family or caused by your own sin. When you come to the cross, every enemy in your world can be destroyed by the power of the cross. Every enemy. What he's saying was this. You don't come to the church and say, well, been in a church for 30 years and say, well, if I'd been raised in the church, it'd be different. That's not true. Come in the church and say, well, if I was raised on this side and been in church for 10 years, if I'd have been raised in this, if my grandpa would have been a preacher, then you know what? I can have this and I'd have more freedom. That's not true. You could come to the cross today and everybody in your family was an atheist and you could bend your knee and realize through faith that God shined his light and say, I am a believer. I do believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I do believe he got up from that grave. I do believe he died for me. You can get up from that place and repent of your sins, get baptized in the name of Jesus, be filled with his spirit and every enemy in your world can be destroyed because there's no wall partition between us. Somebody shout amen. amen. Aren't you glad he made room for us? He goes on and says, having, he, he goes on and says, verse 17, and came and preached peace to you, which were what? Look at your neighbor, say, there you are. And to them that were nigh. He didn't only go to those that were in, he went to those that were a long ways away. And I want you to know right now, we will not stop reaching for those that are nigh and we will not stop reaching for those that are a long ways away from God. They're not too far for the mercy and the love and the grace. Come on, don't write somebody off because of what they've done. We gotta quit determining who God can forgive and who he can't forgive. He can do whatever he wants to, he's God. He can do it, amen, somebody shout amen. How many of you have somebody in your world you wanna see forgiven? They seem a long ways away. All it takes is one turn. You know what's so powerful about repentance? It doesn't matter how far they are away from God, that if they hear the preaching of the gospel and they turn, it's as if they're nigh. It's as if they're near. 
because I was raised on this statement, this cliche, that he is as near as the mention of his name. All you've got to do is say Jesus. You can be in a jail cell and cry out Jesus. You can be almost dying and shout Jesus and there's something that happens when you say the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. I wish somebody would just shout Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Jesus. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. No man comes to God except the spirit draws him. And if you can feel him, he is drawing you. I was teaching a Bible study one time and uh, was teaching a new life class. Somebody shout, made nigh. Come near. I was teaching a Bible study one time and now, Nehemiah, you, you'll recognize this. Every now and then when we're teaching a structured class, sometimes it, Sometimes there's just, you feel like you're talking to a wall. And, and never on Wednesday night Bible study, man. Just, that was in West Virginia, praise God. But I was teaching about, I don't know, five or six students. And I'd skip the lesson because I sort of thought they were ready. And I'd skip the lesson on grace and I was talking about prayer. How to pray. And uh, I was talking about prayer. But it was going nowhere. I couldn't feel the anointing. I couldn't feel the touch of God like I do tonight. Sister Hannah, I couldn't feel it. Finally, I stopped and I stopped and said, uh, let's just pray for a minute, man. We need to pray. I prayed and the Lord just spoke to my spirit. I learned the voice of God when I was a young teenager. The Lord spoke to my spirit and said, the reason, the reason they're not getting it because they don't feel they're forgiven. You're trying to tell them to talk to me through prayer and they don't feel I want to talk to them. They're here hoping to be saved, but they don't feel they're forgiven. When I stopped and stopped, finished prayer, and I knew what was in my spirit, and I said, I just feel like y'all don't feel like God has forgiven you. And one of them spoke up, and he said, well, how can he? If you only knew what I've done. And, and he's a little crazy anyhow. Some things he'd done just out there. I mean, he's a guy that busts a beer bottle over his head and run after 50 people and say, come on, ready to fight. I mean, he was out there. He, 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 was, he was out there. He said, how can he forgive me? And it hit me right there. How can you ever move on in God if you can't believe he can forgive everything that you've done? We must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You got to quit saying he can forgive. See, some of you can believe everybody else can be forgiven except you. Come to church hoping to be saved, hoping God one of these days, hoping he's not going to hold, hold that relationship you had over your head years ago over your head in judgment. Not sure though if you've ever been forgiven. Can I tell you today, when he forgives, it's over. It's done. He's not bringing it back up. Come on, he's not bringing it back up. Somebody comes up and brings up your past. They're not from God because God's not bringing it back up. Somebody shout, it's done. The Bible says it's been cast into the sea. There's a place in the South Pacific. It used to be five. I think now they're saying that there's a spot seven miles deep. No human can get there because of hydraulic pressure. It's so far down, they can't get there. You know what he was saying? He just worded it this way when he said, he's cast my sins into the depths of the sea. He's put them in a place of no return. You've got to believe that when you repent it and you felt the warmness of God and the touch of God, you got up from that altar, you say, he forgave me today. And if he forgave me, well, I feel something here right now. Some of you are struggling because you're not believing what I'm preaching. Some of you don't pray and the reason you don't pray and you wonder why you can't pray because deep down inside of you, you wanna, you're going to stand before God and give account for what you did years ago, even though you repented of it a hundred times. That is not the will of God. Somebody say amen. How many believe what I'm preaching is true? I'm going to give you a verse right now. I'm going to help you. I, I want to help you with something here. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter six. Hebrews chapter six. I'll try to wrap it up in a few minutes if I can. Hebrews chapter six, verse one. You know, when the prodigal comes on, we ought, we ought to all fill a party. 
But you know, there was a big brother there. There, there was a brother there that couldn't party with him because he didn't know who he was at his own dad's house. He didn't even know we had access to. We got to know who we are so we can celebrate with everybody that comes through these doors. You know what? God's going to send some more amazing people to the anchor. And God's going to forgive them the way he did us. And God's going to use them the way he uses us. Somebody say amen. Hebrews 6.1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. It's not talking about leaving truth. It's talking about principles. Let us go on unto what? Perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. What's he saying there? Why are you repenting over things you've already repented of? Are y'all listening to me? Why are you keep repenting over the same things that you've repented of? You come to the Lord, the Lord is ready to bless you, move on to greater things, greater perfections, greater ministries, making a difference. And he comes down to bless you and you come down getting your knees. It's me again, God. I'm so sorry what I did. I'm so sorry what I did 12 years ago, God. It's me. I just can't get it out of my mind what I did. I'm just, I just hope you let me in. You got to stop that. That's not faith. That's condemnation and it's not from God. Yeah, Romans 8 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. If you feel condemned, it's never of God. God didn't operate by condemnation or guilty. God always, always operates by conviction. When there's conviction, he pulls you toward him. Condemnation's pushing you from him. There's a difference. Come here, Brother Nehemiah. Condemnation will always operate in this direction. Condemnation will say, you're not good enough, stay away. That's condemnation. If you have an emotion that's pushing you away from God, it's not of God. Condemnation's either from your flesh or it's from the devil. He's, you know, the word devil and it's root word devil and even Satan come from one of the original words that produced the word gossip. Satan and devil is where the root word of gossip comes from because devil means accuser of the brethren. Are y'all hearing me? And so what you got to understand is Satan's operating. He's accusing you to do this. Come here, come here again. He's trying to make you feel accused to make you feel away from God because the whole concept of salvation is those that were far off are brought near to God. Colossians 1.19 says um, through the body of his flesh through death to present us holy and unbelievable unreprovable in his sight. He reconciled us through the cross. Reconciliation is bringing bought, bought back or brought back to God. So when condemnation comes in, it pushes you away from God saying, God doesn't want me near him. There's no truth in that. You make one mistake as a Christian and, and the devil says, well, you don't belong in the church. They're, they're talking about you. That, 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 that pastor doesn't like you. That, that Those people don't want you there. They think they're better than you. That you can never live up to attain who they are and what they are. And, and it's, the, it's really the act of Satan and or your flesh. Flesh will have all kinds of voices. You say, well, I don't talk to myself. Your mind does. How many know it's true? Even, even the Lord, the Bible says he counseled with his own will. And our will is speaking to us. How many's ever had, you know, the cartoon uh, writers understood it. They got a devil on one side and an angel on the other. Y'all remember those little cartoons to your kids? That's really just you. When I would do good, evil's present with me. If we're not careful, we listen to the wrong voice and we will become our self-condemners. See, there's, there's something about faith that faith without works is dead. You've got to start vocalizing faith. That's why a good way to do this is to practice it when the preacher's preaching. When the preacher's preaching, he's talking about the good things of God, you start saying, amen. What that means is that's for me. God's got something good for me. It's a good place to start activating your faith. 
So when the preacher's preaching about forgiveness and the grace of God and the mercy of God, even the judgment of God, you start saying, amen, that's right. I believe that's for me. You're saying God has something better for me. Now, when you get home, you got to start doing it too. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I am what I am because of Jesus Christ. His goodness toward me that while we were yet sinners, he died for me. God's got his love for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but everlasting life. If you just get that word in you, Instead of how your family rolled in you, tradition and condemning and accusing and beating down, get that out of you and start getting that faith in you. It says, I can do all things. I will be something. God does love me. You know what? Faith is going to activate you getting near him. <laughs> Preaching's in vain if you don't believe it. The Bible says when Philip believed, when they believed the things that Philip preached, then they were baptized. Why? Because they started believing what God did for others, he could do for them. And that's what Paul was saying in his writings. Listen, we've all sinned. We all were distant from God. We all maybe were closer, but everybody needed a savior. But when you start believing and you feel convicted, you feel bad. Oh, I should have never, how many's ever said something like, I should have never done that. Anybody ever grew up in the building? Anybody, was anybody ever born of a woman? <laughs> Nobody in the room was born by immaculate conception. You were all born of sinful nature. You had bumps and bruises and those that were born with big heads, you had big bruises all your head because you kept, you were top heavy and fell over and hit your head all the time. You know what I'm talking about? My kids are that way. Because they had to learn to walk and they made mistakes and they disobeyed and they lied and cheated and it wasn't just because they were the preacher's kids. Saints' kids, Zanesville's kids, Buckeye kids and Mountaineer kids, doesn't matter, we were born sinners. Everybody was born sinners. But when true preaching is preached, it doesn't push you away from God. It invites you to God. That's what preaching should be. It brings you to the house. It brings you to the place. It, bring, it makes you feel, I don't have to be this way anymore. God wants me with my mess. Conviction starts doing this. I, I can come out. I don't want this in my life. Conviction draws you to God. Aren't you glad he brought you to him? Stand your feet and clap your hands and say amen. Conviction brought you to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can get up and say, oh, every one of you doing this sin, you're going to go straight to hell. Then you walk out saying, I messed up, I'm going to hell. Or you can preach, we've all sinned and we were on our way to hell. But the power of the cross is that God wants me to turn my life around through repentance. And if I'll come to him and believe in him and ask for forgiveness and change my ways, guess what? There's a new path for me. That's the preaching of the gospel. Romans 2 teaches us, for the goodness of God leadeth us to repentance. I believe in hell. I believe in eternity. I do. But this right here, I don't know about you, but I grew up and went to a lot of different churches, heard a lot of different preachers, and sometimes I was convinced they wanted me to go to hell. They're going to hell. Chandelier shake, you know. I'm not against eternity preaching. Don't try to put me in hell. This is a pulpit. Try to pull me out of the pit. Tell me there is a better way. I don't have to go back to that crack house because God, the cross would destroy every enemy in my life. Every accuser in my life. You can be better. Everybody say this. I want everybody in the everybody that can hear me to say this with me. You can begin again. We did a whole begin again series a couple years ago. You can begin again. Abraham had the word of God came to him the second time. Solomon, the word of God came to him a second time. Jonah! The Bible says the word of God. Read Jonah tonight. It's a short book, but the word of God came to him a second time. When he said, from the belly of hell cried I, I don't want to be here. God said, okay, I'm going to bring you out. 
If somebody in this bed would just say, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be in sin anymore. Guess what? There's a hand that's reaching. That's the God I serve. Some people are serving that God. I'm serving this God. He's reaching for me. He's reaching for me. He's reaching. That what Doesn't matter what my kids would do. They got too close to the edge and they're falling. There ain't no way I'd look and say, well, it's your fault. 5,000 foot drop from, no way in the world. I was standing to say, I told you not to go past the fence. You read the sign in the law, don't go past the fence. You're on your own. No way in the world as a father would I let Finn or one of my kids know. You know what I'd do? I'd, I'd do everything I can to go over there and reach down and try to help them. That's what the church has got to be. We've got to have that love and we do have that love. There's people that's just hanging on and they don't know what they're going to do until a hand comes reaching for them. That was Ruth. That was Naomi. When they were returning, Naomi left full and came home empty. She should have never went to Moab. It made a bad decision at a low moment when there was a famine in the land. Sister Wendy, it was hard times. But when she was coming back, she was bringing this Moabitess girl that had never been with the Hebrew people except her own immediate family. Only thing she knew well, she said, Naomi, I want your people to be my people. I want your God to be my God. You in your lowest moment, you've got more than I had in my greatest moments as a Moabite. People were tired of sin. I looked at some young people a while back and I said, why are you trying to go back into what that man getting baptized trying to come out of? There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go, Brother Russell. When Jesus had 5,000 people to walk out from one of his sermons, he looked at the disciples and said, y'all gonna go also? And Simon Peter said, where? Where are we gonna go? Now that's the words to eternal life. That's how I feel tonight. There's nowhere else to go to. And I don't wanna go anywhere else anyhow. Come on, I didn't ever dreamt it'd be this amazing at 43 years old when I committed my life at 16. I never dreamt it'd be this amazing. So when they walk through the door, it doesn't matter if they're nigh or if they're far. Everybody in the church and new at the church needs goodness. Don't assume because they've been in church for 20 years that they don't need a restoration, a healing. Because he said, I come to preach to those that are afar off and what else? Near, nigh. Who knows what somebody next to you is going through right now? I was at a meeting a while back and a little boy came up. I knew the family well. His mother had just died tragically and uh, had Brother Luke with me. His mother had just died tragically and he come up and he knows me a little bit. I know his dad pretty well. And he come up and hanging out and he said, I'm going to preach you a sermon. Right there sitting on the bleachers by the basketball court. He started preaching me some good, good thing. He was smiling. Dad's standing here hurting. I told Brother Luke, I said, you never know who's three feet from you because this boy's mom just died tragically last year. You never know what somebody's going through. And when we come to church, I know we come to worship God, but there's some people coming here that just need a miracle. You know what I want to see more than anything in this world is that when we get up and preach or even we get up and sing, that people start running from all over the corners of the building getting saved and giving their life to God and getting delivered because they feel the love of God drawing them here. Zangel needs a revival of the love of God. One of our young men just got shot up the street. It bothers me because I feel like every time something like that happens, somebody's reaching out. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? How are we going to respond? The church should have the answer. Should be a root that says, I'm, that says, can I go with you? And when she came back, guess what? When she showed up, 
in the land of Boaz. Boaz who represents the near kinsman. The near kinsman who represents God in our world. He looks at all the reapers, the people that have the benefits and the commonwealth. The people that belong there. He said, you treat her good because he could see a future in somebody that was from a terrible land. I believe there's greatness in you. I believe there's great. They're new. So glad y'all are here. I was happy to see both of you here tonight. God's got great things for you. We as the church have got to believe God's got great things for us. I want you to look at your neighbor and just tell them you've been forgiven. Come on. If you've repented, you've been forgiven. Now you have not because you asked not. Y'all feel what I'm preaching is true? Let's not judge how far they are away from God. Let's just believe God died for all of us. And let's not assume because they were nigh God that they can't make a mistake and not need preached to again. But all of us need forgiveness. I want you to lift your hands around the building and say, I want to be right with God. I want to know that I'm forgiven. Come on. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter who you are. God's hands reaching for you every day. That's why you're here. Because God is not done with you, Jonah. God's not done with you, Naomi. You've had loss. You've had hurt. You've had pain. But there's bread at Bethlehem. Come on, there's something moving in this room. I want the mercy and the grace of God upon my life. Come on, I preach what I felt God gave me. There's no wall between you and me. There's no wall down the middle of this aisle between you and your brother and your sister. It's for you. It's for your children. It's for all that are afar off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The Lord's calling you respond. Come on, I wonder who in this building is going to say, I'm getting it again. I'm getting renewed. I'm not letting the devil push me away from God. I'm going to let the word convict me to closer to God. Hallelujah. Come on, I open this altar to anybody in the room that says, I'm getting near him. I'm getting near him. I'm going to walk in confidence that he's forgiven me. I'm going to be good to somebody that I meet this week and lead them to the Lord. Come on, all over this building, the grace and the mercy of God. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.